Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. I'm Ian. This is Bonnie. And I'm Aria. Library, LBRY.com, has been in the midst of a civil case brought by the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. That's a federal government agency, a criminal enterprise that has been threatening and attacking library through, again, a civil case. They haven't arrested anybody but I don't know if that can happen now because they've lost this case. I don't think uh, so because the way this works, like the corporation, the person, quote, mm-hmm. that is the corporation is the culpable one here. Of library. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, they've been sued. This has been going on for years, basically. And finally, a, a robed man in the New Hampshire Federal Circuit Court Church has ruled that library has lost this case. So basically what that means is that this man in a robe has determined, because he's an expert, no, he's not, he's just a a guy that wears a robe and he's basically a politician, but uh, a failed lawyer, if you will. But this guy has determined that library's token, called the library credit, is a security, quote-unquote, a security. Yeah, and none of us even understand what that means. I don't think the people at library understands what that means. I don't think the people at the SEC knows what that actually means, much less this judge or anything like that. Now, correct me if I understand this. Library's contention was that it needed to go to trial. Is that is that right? So that a jury of people could hear the case on both sides, and the judge came along and said, you know what, this isn't even triable. Mm-hmm. Library is clearly guilty. No, I think, I don't remember if it was library that asked for this summary judgment or both sides had asked for it, but for whatever reason, uh, and this is where I wish we had Jeremy Kaufman on the air with us. I, I reached out to him today, but I didn't get, I didn't hear back from him. Well, Probably his election, really yeah, his election's tomorrow. It's That's not true. a it's great bad timing. timing. It's bad timing. This this literally hit the day before his uh, his election campaign thing. Uh, but you know, if we ever get the chance to have him on about this, I, I would be interested in in you know getting kind of the inside scoop. Uh, but anyway, for whatever reason, the, the man in the robe decided this, this case could be decided right now without even going to a jury. And honestly, it's hard to imagine a jury doing really that much better on this because, I mean, these are very technical financial issues that are quite confusing. We've looked up the definition of security here on the air before, and it's, it's not easy to understand. Yeah. I remember that we've done that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, a lady from the securities came out only a few months ago, and or Securities and Exchange Commission came out and said only a few months ago that they purposely, she wasn't like, it, it wasn't like veiled at all. She said they purposely don't want to make a clear path for like registering a cryptocurrency uh, business in mm-hmm. this country because that would show people the blueprint for the wrong way to do it and the illegal way to do it. So we don't want to make it very clear what is the right way to do it. Just today, after announcing that they lost the case, three hours ago, LBRY.com tweeted this. The most effed up part of this whole situation is that even after five years of fighting, remember all that time they could have spent developing their product, making it better, focusing on their business, but no, they're fighting in court. Yeah, this crap started when I still lived with library and the SEC. That started when I Before still lived, lived in Mississippi, man. Wow. Yeah, and, uh, and, this, and so after five years of fighting and a court ruling, we still honestly do not know how to legally launch a public blockchain in the United States. Does anyone, they ask the question? Yeah, by staying uh, anonymous like Satoshi Nakamoto did. That's it. That's, and yeah. that's not even the legal way to do it. That's just a way where they can't find you and most, throw you in prison. That's the, the smartest way to do it, yeah. basically. But yeah. it's not legal. It's just well, now they can't find them. That's an interesting thing is because the, the people that have been looking at this case, especially the ones that are the Bitcoin maximalists, and those are the people who are like true Bitcoin believers they're like they've taken the bitcoin pill and they've swallowed it as opposed to the other types of cryptocurrencies that are out there other than name brand bitcoin right so the bitcoin people are saying aha see this is proof that every other crypto is a or almost every other crypto or whatever is a security but bitcoin's not bitcoin can't be touched bitcoin's not a security the idea of any cryptocurrency advocate, even if it's a Bitcoin maximalist, taking their cues on what gov- cryptocurrency is from the government from the is government. appalling. Yeah. 
Well, there's there's unfortunately a large amount of that in the in the Bitcoin business these days. I mean, yeah, you have Craig Wright, uh, the guy who claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto, weaponizing the state against people every opportunity that he gets, and he's a Bitcoin maximalist, if I remember correctly. Well, he's a Bitcoin SV. Oh, that's right. He, yeah, he's not a maximalist. It's essentially it's a media sharing protocol. So there's this library corporation, which is what was sued in uh, federal court by the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. That's who the case was against. But library itself is a protocol. It is a set of computer code that is open source that anyone who knows how to program can download that open source and they can make changes to it. And so can, anyone could make their own version of the library app instead of downloading the one at library.io yes. or whatever it is? I think their website is now library.com, but I, I okay. suspect they still have the .io. Uh, it's lbry.com. So yes, you're right. If wow, there, I didn't know that. If there was going to be the – if there was the interest in creating an alternative client for, for library, then – they could, right? Yeah, but this one uh, works so well. I mean, ultimately, that's kind of what uh, Odyssey is. It's kind of like a, a separate front end for the library network that has some other bells and whistles that have been attached to it, like centralized uh, server farms and things like that. But it still does have the library system in the in the background. Uh, so go to lbry.com, learn more about the technology, because whatever happens to the library company, I mean, this may bankrupt them. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. The library token had a huge drop today. I went and I just figured I'd see what happened, and there was a, like a, it looked like it fell off a cliff. Now, it wasn't starting from much. It was like two cents, two point something cents. Yeah, but it's like, the percentage that matters here, sure. right? If it goes from two cents each to like two thousandths of a penny, then you've got a major loss on your hands. It went down from like two something to one something cents. So it, it, was, a big, still major. it was a big drop. Uh, but it's been in that range for you know ever since this lawsuit started, basically. So that's not anything to really be too concerned with, I don't think. Uh, but it's so messed up that we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, well, we don't give investment advice here. I'm not an investment advisor or anything like that. But that's the thing where the case, uh, where which library just lost at the federal district court level here in New Hampshire today. The ruling came out by the judge in a 20-page ruling. We're certainly not going to read the whole thing, but there is an interesting excerpt here that I... Uh, that I have, but uh, this case is a pretty big case. Like there, the SEC is currently suing Ripple, which is one of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the planet. Yeah, but I can't even be sad about Ripple. I mean, it's sad because the SEC is involved, but it's like, okay, but you're Ripple. You're almost as bad as the SEC. And you're saying that because Ripple was sort of meant to be a banker's coin. Yes, they want to make like a USDC. They no, want to turn themselves really. into one? Oh. They wanted no. to merge the old system with the new cryptocurrency system, as I understand it. And they yeah. worked heavily. They, they were like the Coinbase of cryptocurrencies. They wanted to do what the government wanted them to do. They hmm. wanted to get the banking system to adopt their technology sort of behind the scenes to help banks do faster money transfers. And as far as that goes, if that actually had occurred, that would be good for the banks. I see so many people on the Internet say, like, the Big, or the government's going to, you know, crack down on cryptocurrency and that's going to be the end of your fake money and stuff. And the thing is, like, cryptocurrency has to be the thing closest to a human invention that is closest to, like, an actual natural law. Like, the people who own the government think that that's what they have. They think, oh, this can never be taken down. We control everything. But really, the only thing holding it up is just, like, greed and the u.s dollar and men's faith and um fear fear is holding Mm -hmm. it together but cryptocurrency is being held together by human free will and it can only be taken down if all humans on the face of the earth decide you know i'm not gonna mine or or use use share yeah you make a great point and the fear is a really important takeaway from this it's like the u.s dollar is not a better product it never will be a better product there's no amount of, you know, new security feature. We've got a strip. Oh, you can look at it under UV light or whatever, right? Like, no, oh, microprinting. Uh, there's no new security features that are going to make the U.S. dollar a killer product, right? It sucks. And it was designed to get worse over time. It was designed to lose value every time they print more of them out. That's what inflation is, folks. That's one of the, that is like the number one 
uh, issue at this midterm elections is inflation. And both the Republicans and Democrats are at fault here for this, by the way. The Republicans are acting like they're going to do something about it. Well, they didn't do anything about inflation in 2020 when they printed $2 trillion along with the Democrats to uh, bail out their favorite corporations from all the COVID losses. No, And I had a lot of fun the other day. I went through my old Facebook. I just did a quick search for the word inflation and post for me. And sure enough, like two years ago, I was blaming and I was warning people, you know, crying wolf in the town square about how Bitcoin with your check. right? Yeah. Inflation was coming and it was going to get ugly. And people were like, yeah, no, it'll be Uh, fine. Good times. Yeah. Let's just vote for Biden and the Democrats. They'll fix everything. It's like, okay, they literally kept doing exactly what Trump and them were doing. And it's only gotten worse. So the government cannot make their product better. Because it was designed to extract money from you, or va- value rather from you, it was designed to fail, right? The government's not going to be able to compete, so they have to lean on fear. They have to make you afraid, because cryptocurrency is a better product. Goldbacks are a better product. People want to use cryptocurrency and goldbacks and things like that just because they see the value in it. People only use the dollar because of fear. You know, if you actually start looking into uh, finance websites where they give you the definition of security, here's one from the free dictionary doc, or uh, financial hyphen dictionary dot the free dictionary dot com. A document historically a physical certificate, but increasingly electronic, showing that one owns a portion of a publicly traded company or is owed a portion of a debt issue. Securities are tradable at their most basic. Securities refer to stocks and bonds, but this term sometimes refers to derivatives such as futures and options. Well, then that doesn't cover like Magic the Gathering cards like people were saying. Or are they saying this SEC library lawsuit makes it the definition now encompass more things? That's what what people are alleging, and I think that's probably accurate. However, what they just described is almost certainly not going to allow for library LBC to be a security because whether or not they raise money from it is irrelevant. They they were giving the thing away to people. All you had to do was use the software and they would give it to you. It was not and it didn't confer any ownership of library the platform to the end user. So there was right. no transfer of ownership or anything along those lines and it was given freely to anyone that's why when i when i've read the definition of security before i've said well library doesn't fit that right we've said this before on the air it's very clear you don't have a vote with the library company you don't you don't own a portion of the company you just have this little utility token that you can use that you have to use by the way when you upload a video to the library uh, platform it costs a very small amount of the library token and that's why they're giving it away to people so people could start with some library tokens and they could start uploading videos right away without having to like go through some crazy process for but they would give you a ton of it more than you would ever need so this is basically why the sec needs to be abolished not because they like did some something to somebody i don't like but because they created a more laws via a lawsuit they created more things that could be a security not through the congress or whichever way um how a bill gets made you learned in high school but through a lawsuit that's correct yeah the sec's argument here is basically because you can take a dollar to mcdonald mcdonald's and buy a small coffee that somehow grants you ownership of mcdonald's because you could just take that dollar elsewhere and by investing it in mcdonald's you're increasing their net wealth and helping them raise money and therefore it's a security so according to the suit itself or the uh, the decision today that was issued by the the robed man and priest district court church uh, Paul Barbadoro, who I believe is the same guy that sent Christopher Cantwell to prison, uh, by the way. I so not an expert familiar. in finance or cryptocurrency? or No, no. He's just a man in a robe in a federal uh, federal court who, of course, at a district court level, they always do the bidding of the government. So, I mean, this this isn't a surprise ruling or anything like that. Would The surprise would have been if Library had actually won. They do say on page nine that library did make certain representations. The SEC, they claimed, identified multiple statements by library that it 
claims led potential investors to reasonably expect that LBC's credits would grow in value as the company continued to oversee the development of the library network. Library minimizes the significance of these statements and points to its many disclaimers that it did not intend for LBC to be purchased as an investment, but the SEC is correct. Library has, at key moments and despite its protestations, been acutely aware of LBC's potential value as an investment, and it made sure investors were too. When Library launched the Library Network in June of 2016, their market capitalization was a healthy $140 million. This despite networks, the network's relative infancy and limited usability. By the following month, their market cap had ballooned to $1.2 billion. That's in like response, saying like that T.Y. Beanie Babies would be securities because when they were selling them, they were acutely aware that people were collecting them and making money off of them. And every time they came out with a new Beanie Baby, they'd be like, you want this one for your collection because it's a really good one. Well, and then that I makes it a security. I think that's where Justin O'Donnell is saying that this ruling would make Beanie Babies and Magic Cards and anything else that a company could represent as could. Hey, this could be worth more someday. Well, the judge himself explicitly said that. He quoted a court case that said, this is so broad, it's basically whatever. Library captioned, uh, so, okay, so we mentioned that their market cap went from $140 million up to $1.2 billion by, like, within a period of a month. Which is about a 10x increase. Yeah, in the period of a month. So Library issued a blog post reflecting on this uh, skyrocketing value, captioning it, $1.2 billion market cap and we don't care. It began by touting the rapid growth in LBC's value, but frankly acknowledged it could not say whether the current valuation was justified. At that point, only three videos were available on the blockchain, each produced by Library itself and their staff were hard at work frantically debugging and developing its product. What Library did claim to know, though, was that the long-term value proposition of Library is tremendous, but also dependent on our team staying focused on the task at hand, building this thing, unquote. Then uh, it closed the post by announcing a policy of neutrality with respect to LBC's price, but plainly stating that, quote, over the long term, the interests of Library and the holders of LBC are aligned. I mean, that's factually true. I don't know how it could be anything else. Library utilizes LBC, so its survivability is inextricably linked to LBC. If LBC tanks, then library tanks. Justin O'Donnell is here with us, calling us from Manchester. Hey, Justin. Hey, Ian. How's it going? Hey, good to uh, to have you on here. I guess you were listening into our conversation about library and you wanted to comment? Yeah, listen to most nights. Bonnie brought up my joke uh, I made on Twitter this morning about Magic the Gathering cards, and that was actually one of the first things that struck me as I was reading this decision this morning, because I I know people who aren't in the nerd world of Magic the Gathering haven't been aware, but like there's been a bunch of talk in the last couple weeks about a major lawsuit going against Wizards of the Coast over them acknowledging the secondary market value of their collectibles that they uh, print. And they're printing a new collectible run uh, for Magic's 30th anniversary, reprinting some really, really old cards. I would have was not happy about their price. I would have thought Wizards of the Coast would have known better. Right. And they're especially because they're printing things they promised 20 years ago that they'd never reprint again. So collectors mm. like me, who've been all in for 20 years and value my, my the value of my collections cut in half over the last couple of weeks. See, I kind of don't like that about Magic the Gathering. And one of the reasons I got out of it was because if you wanted to play competitively and they stopped producing your card in the next set, then your your deck was invalid and you had to start over from scratch. I, There's always oh, yeah. a keeping up with the Joneses problem. Yeah. With it. Yeah. There's always been a pay-to-play aspect, but like I really like the collector aspect of it because I got into it because the art, not yeah. in the game. And then there's casual formats where I play with people in Manchester where we don't have to buy new cards. We just let everything stay in stock and we share each other's decks. But That's cool. That's when I was reading this decision this morning, uh, when it was posted on Odyssey, and I read the PDF on Odyssey, and I was reading through it, and the way they're describing like the company acknowledging a secondary market value and issuing something based on that secondary market value price, I'm like, oh, magic cards are a security. Hmm. Yeah, but you're not joking. Like you actually, no. <laughs> that that could be interpreted. This decision could be interpreted to where magic cards, beanie babies, anything else that sure. a company you know says, hey, this could be worth more in the future. That's a security now, according to them, right? 
Right, and it got even worse when, like, I was reading the decision. There's one point in the decision where the judge talks about even though library had all these disclaimers, even though they said it's a utility token for use in the network, because somebody posted on Reddit and said that they were buying it to invest on it, that overruled all their disclaimers. Wow. Because somebody who wasn't with the company, just some user? A A community manager on Reddit. Wow. It reminds me of classic video games, right? Like the reason if I was going to buy a classic video game, the reason would be to play it or something like that. But you have plenty of collectors out there who would pay $30,000 for an NES version of The Legend of Zelda or whatever. I'd pay $3 for one, maybe Mm -hmm. at the most. But these people buy these things expecting them to make money. And just like that, classic video games become a security. Shapeshift was very aware that everything they wanted to do was going to be labeled as security and financial services, so they just decentralized. Well, yeah, and the, the, the government has been breathing down Shapeshift's neck for years now, and so this was a way out from that. Uh, and, and that is really one of the interesting stories in crypto in the last two years was, I think it was last summer, uh, was when they announced that they were decentralizing the company. And I haven't been following all their updates, but uh, you know, every now and then I'll see a, a news release from them. I think they've completed the process. I think that uh, they they basically wiped away all the vestiges of the old centralized corporation. Shapeshift is now full on decentralized autonomous uh, organization, and it's moving ahead and and it's working great, from what I understand. As I understand it, that's true. And Eric Voorhees and many of the other people who were initially involved in say Shapeshift, if they still are, it's in whatever capacity they want that's to right. be involved. Yeah, he doesn't have the same Voorhees nine to five uh, job anymore. Right, he doesn't have the same level of responsibility. He can uh, contribute whatever level he wants to to this project and you know really the question is justin and i don't know if you've been in yep. touch with uh, jeremy today because i know you're his campaign manager uh you know i, I been invi- a busy day i imagine so yeah i invited him on the show but he didn't even get a chance to respond to me so i'm glad that you're here uh is there any indication on if they're going to appeal this thing have you heard anything at all uh, no, I, my day today has been really focused on GoTV stuff and election stuff, and okay. uh, we, we talked really briefly this morning, and it was a, hey, lawsuit's out, I'm done for the day, and I'm just like, cool, I just need one paragraph right up from you, bye. Mm. Like, I, I figured this was, we knew this was coming one way or another for months. And we knew we were not going to have Jeremy for a day or two after it came out. Yeah, but they could have just held off until Wednesday, man. It it was unnecessary. (laughs) I mean, realistically, uh, the human element of this should have caused them to say, you know what, let's delay this for two days. It just makes me want to vote for him more. I wonder if anybody else is like, wow, we should vote for Jeremy Kaufman because this is BS. One of the the things I wanted to point out when I made that Magic the Gathering joke is I'm in kind of two little realms on Twitter. I'm in libertarian political Twitter, and then I'm also Mm -hmm. kind of in Magic Collector's Twitters because I collect high-end cards Mm -hmm. worth more than my car and my apartment. Um, (laughs) But like, I don't think normal people realize – what happens if the government tries to go after collectibles? Mm-hmm. It, it like, and this decision, in my reading of it, was sufficiently vague that it opens up anything that appreciates in value over time if people purchase it for the belief that it's going to appreciate in value. And that's not just magic cards, collectibles, Beanie Babies. It's also things like goldbacks and yeah. novelty comic silver books. rounds, yeah. comic books, DVDs, um, VHS tapes, CDs, newspapers, like anything that's been graded, anything kind of antique, like this gives the government like kind of carte blanche to go after anybody engaging in the business of buying and selling these things. It ultimately doesn't matter what happens to the library company. If this puts them out of business, if they go bankrupt because the SEC takes all their their money from them, the library concept, the library program will continue. There's still the library foundation that kind of helps promote that concept. And then the the software itself is, of course, open source. So even if LBRY.com goes away, the software and the blockchain continue to run. So they cannot destroy this technology, can they, Justin? No, to my knowledge, even Odyssey, like I've talked to some people who work at Odyssey, like Drew Hancock and Julian and Tom on Twitter. Um, and like I've asked that question explicitly before. I'm like, hey, well, like this lawsuit's been ongoing for years. What if something happens and it just like puts library under? Like what happens to Odyssey? And they said they've had plans in place and they're ready uh, for the worst case scenario. Like what? libraries forced out of business, they're still ready to run and roll and take up the protocol themselves. I think that's one of the reasons why. Uh, I don't know if it was like last year or several months ago, they officially split Odyssey from Library, if I recall correctly. 
yeah, Jeremy is no longer the CEO of Odyssey and doesn't actually work for Odyssey at all. Right. So two separate companies. Um, you know, well, man stays busy. Uh, so yeah. I don't blame him for not being the CEO of Odyssey. Well, yeah, and let's change gears because we can talk more yep. about library. I know you're getting ready for a show, but uh, you're also the campaign manager for Jeremy Kaufman's campaign for uh, U.S. Senate here in New Hampshire. And, of course, Justin, what are you thinking? He's with the Mises Caucus. They're <laughs> evil. They said so on Twitter. Funnily, so... I, I've been involved in the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire since the day I moved to New Hampshire. I was involved in the Libertarian Party before moving to New Hampshire. Um, I, I wasn't you moved from Massachusetts, mover. by the way. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't actually a Free State Project mover. I moved because of circumstances where I had a disagreement with the colonel of the state police in Massachusetts about what constituted a gun-free zone mm. um, that led to me being forced to move. Okay. Uh, but um, I, I've been involved in the LP since day one. This like the Mises caucus, all the drama surrounding the takeover. This is like the third iteration of the takeover <laughs> I've seen. Um, and Jeremy's been involved for quite a long time before the Mises caucus ever started as well. Like I, I remember the first time I ran for office in New Hampshire, Jeremy was the single biggest donor to my campaign. Nice. Yeah, he's a great guy. I, I was yeah. obviously joking. I don't have anything against the Mises, especially the Libertarian Mises caucus. Uh, I, like, I mean, the New Hampshire Libertarian Mises caucus. These are great people. I watch YouTube on my television when I go to bed, so I don't have an ad blocker on there or anything mm, like that. So, the I, ads. so I'm constantly seeing Maggie Hassan and Don Bolduck ads. It's just constantly they're attacking each other, and it's so ineffective because a pro-Maggie Hassan ad sounds exactly like an anti-John Bolduck ad. And it's like they're paying for their own messaging, but it's only making Democrats happy when it's well, the Democrat ad, and it's only making Republicans happy. I don't well, care. They don't they're interrupting my entertainment, and I would never vote for them on that on that basis alone well they don't disagree and i think that this is really a problem where with people with democracy as itself where we're entrusting dumb people to make decisions for mm. the rest of us unfortunately yeah. and we don't have a choice in the matter but like maggie hassan is the most corrupt senator in history she has taken more lobbying money in the past six years than the rest of the u.s senate combined wow wow well. um and that's public record. That's, that, that's all in her campaign finance disclosures. <laughs> um, like she doesn't hide it at all. But she campaigns on being the most bipartisan senator. Mm. She's bipartisan because her votes are bought and paid for, and mm -hmm. that's known. So she breaks from the party a lot. But it's not on good liberty issues that she's breaking with the party. She's joining with the Republicans when they want to ban something or criminalize something. Sure. Um, and then Don Bolduc is a career military officer and he's not just a career military officer he's a general and if anybody's ever served in the military i had you actually cannot get promoted to the rank of general yeah, you can't without engaging enlist. in politics yeah you can't enlist and become a general correct you can it's very difficult mm -hmm. but in order to be promoted from colonel to general you have to be confirmed by the senate Wow. So it's an inherently political mm -hmm. position, and you have to engage in politics right. to get to that point. So you have to know what you're doing in that realm. Absolutely. And he's a warmonger. And you don't get to the rank of general without having some kind of influence over policy either, even at just a command level or a brigade level. And you continue to – he did 10 deployments to I, I was going to say that. You don't do that unless you love killing people. You yeah, love I, war. The, I, I'm always amazed when I run into or I hear about a former veteran who served in the military, and yet they're a warmonger afterward. Like John McCain is like, how? What's wrong with this person? Yeah, This guy's a yeah. sicko, and you can tell in the video where he uh, is having our friend Joa arrested at one point after he's done lying and claiming that he hit me, he hit me. Uh, when he says that for the final time, if you watch uh, Bill's video, you can see Bill pans over and you can see for just about a second or two, Don's got this big smile on his face. Not the kind and, of smile you'd have on your face if you just got hit yeah, you by a stranger. Yeah, you smile if somebody just hit you for real. Right? And I haven't like, seen well, the video, the but correct me if I'm wrong. The video exonerates Joe completely. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Completely. We got Greg on the line in New York City. You're on Free Talk Live. Greg. Well, as you can imagine, this would be something very interesting for myself. Yeah, if you're the creator of uh, Intercoin, which is another, uh, you know, soon-to-be crypto, or I, I can't really say if it's soon-to-be. I don't know what the current status of it is. Right. And Intercoin registered with SEC, though, with the SEC, didn't they? Technically, no. Uh, the SEC has what is called exemptions from registration. It's actually not so bad to be considered a security in the United States. You just have to follow some of the rules. I mean, of that's course, what makes rules. it bad, though. Yeah, that is bad. <laughs> Well, yeah, if you're a libertarian and you don't like how the government is constantly butting in, then yes, the rules are sometimes pretty crazy. 
Well, it, that's why I said it's not that it. bad to have to ask the king's permission sometimes because sometimes the king gives permission. Yeah, but you still have to bend your knee and beg the king's permission. And the thing that's so bad about it with library isn't just like, oh, we don't we don't want to be considered a, I mean, a security. It's not really that. It's that they have no way to tell what they did to get considered a security and now they have paid millions of dollars to defend themselves in court because of it because they're saying, oh, you, you went off and became a business without our permission so because of that you're a security and you need to be you weren't licensed or whatever well i can bring some clarity to this okay um i've been in the space for you know five years now and i can tell you uh but i i, I, I for this i would need a few minutes <laughs> um i'll just say this that um when i was starting out everyone was like well if you're a utility token then you're not a security and we met with the sec and 2018. Like we went down to Washington D.C. and we were actually meeting with the SEC. And yeah, they were like, "There's no such like designation as utility." So like, it could still be a security. It, it all depends on like, you know, if people are buying. Like for example, if you buy a ton of uh, tickets or Yu-Gi-Oh cards or whatever, and you don't intend to play with them, but you keep them in uh, in uh, mint condition, right? And you hope that they will increase in value. I mean, technically. Yu-Gi-Oh, right, or uh, Pokemon is also security. I mean, technically. I mean, because, that, that, that's exactly yeah. the problem we're highlighting, though, is that that's a broad overreach from the SEC. You say it's not that bad to be considered a security, but that's everything in the known universe being considered a security by the U.S. government. And, and that it, is absolutely bad. And it enters into thought crime because you don't know that somebody isn't intending to play with them just because they're sitting on a shelf. They want to chop off the heads of the people who are responsible for this, and simultaneously, they want to cause people who believed in it to lose as much value as they possible because that scares other people from getting into it. Well, they arrested CEOs and everyone else lost millions of dollars. I'm not touching that that funny internet money. Plus, they will go after the person, the old person that I was describing with the Yu-Gi-Oh cards if they do it more than once, if they use eBay to sell them more than once. Well, that's true. Yeah, eBay is going to collect your tax information, and if you sell more than a few things, now you're a dealer, and you better start paying taxes or whatever. But they'll, and they'll, they'll leave you alone unless this person selling Yu-Gi-Oh cards is making too much money. Right. Then they, so I, I, oh, uh, no, you can't make that much money. Now we're going to raid you. If you guys leave me for one more segment, yeah. I could give a lot more information. I want to say that there is, even though the government is one of the worst uh, ways to create these uh, regulations, but the underlying problems do exist. So, you know, people do invest in all kinds of things where they get rug pulled or the team decides, hey, we're just not going to work on this anymore. So there is a degree of risk. Um, and the problem is, so the underlying problem, right, is there's two separate things. One is if there is utility, like Filecoin, you can actually use it, you know, to store files. Mm -hmm. For example, a library can actually use it, right? But then there's all these things which never developed anything. Well, like risk isn't a problem. It's just a fact of life. It's not something that people need to be protected from. I don't need right. to be protected by the government from the fact that I could walk outside and trip off my stairs and hurt my knee. Like, I don't need to be protected from every possibly. risk in the world. That's the thing. You, they can't protect you from these things. What, right? what is the cutoff? Like, if um, I'm not going to be protected by the government from walking outside and possibly falling on the ground and hitting my knee on the sidewalk. What? What? When do they start protecting me? Like only when it involves money and they can get a cut of it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's there's some good news. Uh, would you like to hear the yeah, good news? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear good news. So since 2019, the SEC and also FinCEN, which is by the way a more serious thing, the Financial Crimes Enforcement. Network. Oh, we know so about FinCEN here. Oh. <laughs> So that's for another day, but I'll just say that um, they, they also put out a guideline, uh, 2019, how to issue crypto. But I just want to talk about SEC. So SEC put out a no-action letter, starting with a company called Turnkey Jets. And the next year, they put one out um, for a company called Pocketful of Quarters. And they spell out what a project would need to have, what features, in order to not be considered a security. 
Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. Greg, you were saying there's quote-unquote good news about the SEC screwing over cryptocurrency companies. You said there were a couple of specific companies that had gotten some sort of a letter that it sounded like you were going to say that they didn't have to register with the SEC as a security. Is that right? That's right. So the good news isn't that the SEC, uh, the library lost, obviously, that, you know, just expands the SEC's uh, ability to sue people. Obviously, it would have been better if they had a precedent uh, that they lost. And who knows, maybe they'll lose on appeal, and that will preclude them from mm. doing more of this. But my point simply is, there are really differences between people buying something for consumptive use, like going to a concert with tickets or scalping a hundred or million tickets. Uh, there are, there's a difference. And uh, whether that the government does it or whether uh, people uh, decide for themselves to separate those two is up to, up to us. And so basically, yeah, I don't know if I agree that there's really a difference. Well, one is actually using the ticket, right? And the other, they're both using that- the ticket. They're just using it in different ways. Like, they're both getting something back from having purchased the ticket. One person is getting back more money. The other person is getting an experience. One person is trading money for experience. Another person is trading money for more money. But they're both just making a trade of money for something that they want. It's not like the concert is something like air and somebody is like, you can only get this if you pay $10,000. They have to put it at a price where the person still thinks, oh, that's worth it for me to have this ticket. Or else they don't get it sold. No, but there's a huge difference between, so, so this is what the difference is. When a customer uh, orders something off of Amazon or buys a pizza or whatever, they consume the pizza. Yeah, there may be a, a once in a while they may ask for a refund, but most of the time the transaction is done. When you are an investor who just comes in and you're hoping that at the end there will be a customer, well, it could be a bubble that grows and grows and grows, but in the end, you know, it, it doesn't really get much adoption. And so with, with this bubble, the people who bought at the top, which is the most amount of people ever, are left holding the bag. And I think but see, you're what... changing the intentions of the buyer when you go from customer to investor. It's just a person purchasing a thing. It's just a customer in both in both scenarios. The yeah, only difference is the customer uses the thing and the investor holds on to it. What Library did was they got rid of the idea of a centralized website. They essentially decentralized the searching for torrents, the naming of the torrents, and makes it easier to find these things uh, than ever before. So basically with LBRY.com and their software, because it's a protocol, they have no control. They do not have the ability to say, oh, copyrighted material, you're out. Yeah, uh, I never even thought about looking on, you know, library to see if I could find Halloween kills or whatever, the mm. or Halloween ends, whatever the most recent one. It's just never occurred to me to look on. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, don't even know. know if that kind of t- content is there. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know how robust the the file sharing of those sorts of copyrighted works is on that on that network. That's a good question. It'd be maybe worth doing some research. I'm wholesale uh, against copyright and intellectual property. Yeah. So if someone's doing that, hey, good you have them. my support. Now they probably. Probably won't show up on Odyssey because Odyssey right. is a platform that can uh, get rid of certain things, but they can't delete it from library. They can take it off of their platform, but it's still on the library system. So anyway, library has been ruled against today, and Joel Valenzuela has a 
a rundown here. It takes less than a minute for him to basically run down the details on what happened at the Federal District Court Church in the case of uh, library versus the SEC, or rather the SEC versus library. Library, the company behind the content protocol of the same name, just lost its court case against the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The New Hampshire District Court ruled that library is guilty of selling illegal securities. They based their ruling on three key elements. Number one, library's representation to potential purchasers. The judge ruled that when library sold its token, it represented it enough to qualify as a security as an investment and not a token that's useful today. That it was marketed as an investment, even if only in a very small percentage of its posts. Second, the judge ruled that library's business model relied almost entirely on the price going up of the token because the vast majority of the company's revenue is derived from selling these tokens. And third, the- Okay, let's pause it there. For that's fundamentally not true though. It doesn't have to go up in value for them to make money off of selling it if they have it in the first place. That's just selling a product that they have. Part of free speech right. is to be able to parody, and uh, even if you aren't announcing that you're you're parodying, and that's what Musk was saying recently when he said, "Thou shalt not be allowed to be a satire account unless thou say." You are a satire account, and then if you don't, you'll be suspended forever, is his rule now on on Twitter. And it's his platform. He can set the rules however he wants to, but as The Onion and uh, the Babylon Bee now, I I heard, has joined The Onion in their – they they wrote one of their opinion pieces for the Supreme Court. There's – apparently – it's a really interesting story. We haven't talked about it, I don't think, on on the air, but – We have. uh, There – there's I don't remember what they're doing, but I, I do. We read part of there's it. A there's a case. guy, yeah, named Anthony Novak in like uh, I don't know Louisiana or it's something. Ohio, I think. Oh, and he made a parody account of his local cop station. Yeah. On Facebook and was like parodying them on Facebook, and then he went to jail for it. Right. So they're saying the the government in Ohio is saying. Making fun of us is illegal, and the uh, the Onion wrote a really awesome uh, friend of the court piece, Amicus, I believe is what they called it, an Amicus brief, where they essentially sort of as the Onion would write a thing. So it was basically like almost like a, a comedy piece, which some people said they shouldn't have done because courts don't have a sense of humor. But anyway, it was pretty entertaining to read it, and essentially they they point out that part of parody is to not necessarily put it on your sleeve that it's a parody. That's part of the whole process. That's part of the problem with Elon Musk and parodies in general. I mean, it's not part of the problem with parodies. It's it's Poe's Law. Uh, a parody of a thing is indistinguishable from the thing itself. If you're so extreme, such a fundamentalist on whatever issue... That an insane parody account sounds indistinguishable from you. And people are looking at this fake Elon Musk Twitter and Elon Musk actual Twitter and they're going, can't tell. Damn, I can't tell the yeah. difference. Well, okay, <laughs> Elon, maybe you should figure out how to word things in a way that you don't sound like Kathy Griffith. Yeah, maybe. Like, this isn't impersonating a specific person, but there's a Twitter account that's just pretending to be an older white lady who's a liberal and it's so believable at times that like at first i thought it was a real lady and i was like wow she's awful sarah you're on free talk live go ahead okay good we appreciate anybody taking us off the speakerphone it's always a good plan well, you know, I'm really impressed that we had about four hundred thirty thousand voters already in our state, so our voter um, early voting has ended in the last three weeks, and uh, on election day, which is tomorrow, we usually have like about a hundred thousand more people that show up on the election day. So, Sarah, the more the longer I exist, the less I'm able to understand people like you. And I'm trying. I'm sitting here listening to you talk. I'm trying to bridge a create some sort of bridge yeah. between the way I think now. And the way you think, because I used to think that same way. You're throwing out words like we and our state and all of these other things. And my first response is going to be the snide. Well, Sarah, I didn't even know you had a state or (laughs) I didn't know you had 540,000 people or whatever number you said. But like, I'm not just joking when I say those things. You're claiming to be part of this great big entity that is the state of New Mexico that doesn't even exist. And I don't know how to process that anymore. Why why do you separate me? Like, I 
I feel that I'm part of this we here in the state because I've been here 23 years, and I've been participating and voting for the last 23 years. And all of these politicians, most of them, I voted them in. Most of the other people have voted them with me. Our governor, our mayor, our counselors, and all of the representatives are the ones that me and everybody else voted them in. She really sure. feels like she is the state. And I have no doubt that you've lived there in that plot of that geographic area that we park. call New Mexico in the trailer park there. And I have no doubt that you've participated in the futility of voting and that you have voted for candidates who have won mm-hmm. office. I have no doubt that you've right. done those things as an but individual, why, as a single why, person, why, Sarah. That's the why I say we... Because not only I voted in my governor and my mayor, there's like tens of thousands of other voters that have voted them in, voted along with me, our counselors, our commissioners that are Democrats, are represented that live in my district. That's why I say we. I don't want, I don't understand why you guys get so tripped out on this we. Well, for one thing, you say things like we built these video cameras. You definitely didn't go and build a video camera or put well, out a like video camera, aisle. things like that. Look, I pestered, I emailed, and called. <laughs> She's a pest. In, okay? <laughs> she admitted it. How surprising. Tell them what I, what I want. Even on the so subject of these candidates me. that you have voted for and that other people have voted for and have put into office, Sarah, you represent a very small minority of New Mexico voters. You don't get to claim all of New Mexico as part of your we because at best you're, you're maybe 50% of voters and maybe one in three Americans or people in New Mexico are actually voters. So you may be 15 to 20 percent of the actual population no, 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 no. of New Mexico. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me give you the breakdown. So two thirds of the voters, people that voted already, are of Democrats. So we're talking about Jeremy Kaufman. He launched this campaign for U.S. Senate, and normally a Libertarian Party campaign, a Libertarian candidate, is not newsworthy. I'm sorry. I mean, sorry. it is in New Hampshire. But I'm just saying, nationwide. Okay. I'm yeah. sorry to all the libertarians out there. That they're like, but but our governor candidate, he's got a great write-in campaign. Hmm. That's actually happening right now, by in the New way, York. in New York, where they're, they're literally trying to tell people, write in the libertarian candidate because they failed at getting on the ballot in New York. His name time. is Larry Sharp, if you are in New York. In the defense of the candidate. National Libertarian Party, I mean, these people, that's what they want. They want this place where they can call in and get support and press for their candidate, for, their, for governor or secretary of treasury or whatever it is they're running for in whatever county or city or whatever. Arin Vora, the former um, vice chair of the Libertarian Party, mm-hmm. attempted exactly this sort of thing. It was called like Talk with Libertarians or something like that. And every Tuesday night... If you were running for office as a libertarian or engaging in any sort of libertarian activism, even if you only had five people at your meeting or just two mm-hmm. people, you could call him and you could book time on his show to go in there and talk about it. No one cared. Yeah, why would they? Yeah, no one cares about what someone running for county treasurer in Louisiana is doing the for people, the Libertarian Party. The people in that county don't care. I mean, no. the average person doesn't pay attention to the lower level, lower ticket races. And when it comes to the higher ticket races, the libertarians de- generally don't get any attention whatsoever. But that's what one of the things that's noteworthy about Jeremy's campaign was he ran some political ads that were some of the most entertaining in the last that I've seen in the last 25 years. Uh, I mean, the really generally political campaign ads are pretty pretty just terrible overall like they ads in general yeah they they target a lot of them target the other candidate with messages you know that are against the other candidate they're not entertaining they're not fun and that was what separated jeremy's campaign was they had a real entertaining uh production value they were well well done they're they were well written uh sharp funny and i don't remember now was it that war wasn't gay enough where war is gay Okay, but yeah, it wasn't gay, gay enough, if I remember correctly, right? And that's why we needed to elect him, because it was, it was satirical. He yeah, was, he was saying, like, we need to make war more gay. We need to have more gay people doing war or so. whatever. Yeah, something, something like that. Like that. It, was, people it was hilarious. Or whatever. TJ the Spy calling from Ohio, or no, Missouri probably. Go ahead, TJ. Or no, Col- Colorado. 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 Where oh, are you? I was like, why is he in Ohio? <laughs> Sorry, TJ. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just wanting to call because, you know, I, as you know, I got a job at a golf company. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I do is prepare the welcome boxes for all the uh, new employees now. So I, they get a water bottle and some golf tees and 
some uh, mask and everything else. But um, I was thinking we could do the same thing. The Shire Free Church could give the judge, in your case, a little welcome box. So I have a little thing of uh, an eighth of weed, <laughs> some isobutyl nitrite. Oh. Uh, the isobutyl nitrite is the antidote to cyanide poisoning. So you know, that's emergency first aid. But if you huff it, it's a powerful vasodilator. So it'll uh, it's basically poppers. I was going to say, is it poppers? <laughs> it, I thought poppers was something else. Well, but yeah, it sounds about the same thing. Nitrites. All right. Unfortunately, yeah. I think that's considered bribery, <laughs> and I, I would no, recommend no, no, against no, no, it. No, 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 no. You know, it's not if uh, see now. I'd have to send the same thing to all the. You know, it's like I brought enough for everybody. Brought poppers for you, Georgiana. <laughs> yeah, and Seth A from. Now I, I feel like I'm going to jail are. just from this call. Okay, poppers <laughs> are like an inhalant, right? That partiers use. Yes. Oh, well, speaking of inhalants, I also uh, wanted to send the judge my whipped cream dispenser and uh, obviously my, uh, a little case of whippets, you know, so he can do a little <laughs> nitrous. Because I said this entire trial, he might be in a better mood. Have to explain Bitcoin to the court and to twelve cranky jurors. You're going to have to explain like blockchain and and SHA two fifty six hash and mining and all this stuff. And I just said I. I don't know. I don't think it'll be necessary to explain all of that. However, no. you know, you you joke about a lot of this stuff. I do think it would be a net good for society if we could get all of the federal judges to voluntarily take some shrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Like the world would be a much better place after that happened. I, I, I think so. I agree. In fact, out here in in uh, Colorado, there is a psilocybin legalization up for vote. Uh, they're going to legalize hmm. psilocybin out here in Denver, Colorado. Legal for recreational purposes? No, or uh, legal for uh, uh, post-traumatic stress therapy. disorder of, and suicidal uh, okay. depression of combat veterans. Right, so it's legal for religious re- reasons here in New Hampshire. That's true. Well, it's you could win a court case for for religious reasons. I mean, you, it's okay, still, yeah. you still might get arrested. <laughs> About a satirical ad saying that war is gay. I'm here to tell you the truth. War is retarded. It's retarded. We're not supposed to say that word, but this is exactly why we need to say it. Because if you support war, you are a retard. We have done this before. This isn't new. There's pictures Weak, of bonds. Soft, anti American terrorist sympathizer. These are some of the things that you would have been called for opposing the Iraq War in 2003 or Vietnam in the 1960s. And today, you'll be called similar things for opposing America's involvement in the Ukraine and Russian conflict. Well, you're not. What you actually are is brave. Being anti-war is always unpopular, but it takes people who are willing to stand up and say, no, this isn't our fight. No. We don't need to be involved. And the people who are weak and soft are the people who want to steal from you to get us involved in a conflict we have no business in. The war on poverty was won by poverty. The war on drugs was won by drugs. The war on Afghanistan was won by goat herders with an average income of $500 per year. Don Baldock and Maggie Hassan want us to fight China and Russia simultaneously. What boggles my mind, Steve, is the fact that we haven't gone all in on this already. Diplomatically, informationally, militarily, uh, and economically. Everything's on the table when it comes to keeping our country safe. Uh, And what we've seen from Russia in particular recently... And we can't take any pressure off China either. We've got to go after China because they're in this with them. Maggie Hassan and Don Baldock want to take your money so that your children can die and America can be hurt. This November, be brave, be anti-war, be a libertarian. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, and I'm serious. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. 
The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live. 